Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. Well, hey, we are continuing our series that we began last week called Born to Rain. Somebody say Born to Rain. How many know that Jesus was born raining? Right, and how many know that you were born to reign with Him? And we're gonna we're gonna be t- getting into that a little bit this week and a little bit more next week about what reigning looks like from our perspective, what it looks like to reign with Him. You know, last week we talked about how Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega, that He is the Lord over all that was, He's Lord over all that is, and He is reigning over all that is to come, right? And we talked that Jesus was given. He wasn't just given to save us. Come on, He was given to govern us. So not just to not just have an oversight over us and take good care of us, but actually to lead us. And we'll continue that conversation today. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, for to us, I love that, for to us, A child is born to us. A son is given. Jesus is the gift that was given. The reason why we give gifts at Christmas, because we're remembering the gift of God, right? We're not just giving it because we love it. We're, We're giving gifts because God's a giver, and we're celebrating the greatest gift that has ever been given, Jesus, the child that was born, the son that was given, that he was given to govern. And it says the government will be on his shoulders. So he wasn't just given... So that we can have a nice little painting or a little little statues in our house around Christmas. He wasn't just given so we can have little eight pound baby Jesus right in the in the manger. He wasn't given just for that reason or just to give you peace in your heart. He was given to govern, and it says that that government would be on his shoulders. It's it's not on your shoulders. It's on his, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the increase of this government. The government that it increases, that advances this government and this peace, the peace that's attached to the government. Many people want the peace, but they don't want the government. But if you get the government, you get the peace. It comes along. It's the tinted windows. There will be no end. There's no end to the increase, the expansion of his kingdom. The kingdom of God is continually growing. It's expanding. It's expanding in us. Come on, it's expanding in our lives. It's, a, it's an expanding government, Right? Amen? So our Christmas story continues. Last week we were in Luke chapter 1. I told you, hey, take a screenshot of that. Luke chapter 2. There it is, the continuation of the Christmas narrative that we share from. And we we know the story, if you're familiar with it, in Luke chapter 2, how... Uh, the, the governor called a census, if you remember this, right? So Mary's pregnant, right? This is where we left off last week. The angel comes to her and said, you're going you're gonna to have Jesus. She's freaking out. This is impossible. And her husband, Joseph, is from a town called Bethlehem, right? And so in those days, they were living in Nazareth. They weren't from their hometown anymore, but they had to go back home to register for this census. And so here is Mary, pregnant, and they travel 90 miles. Not like you jump in your car and you drive across town in an hour and a half, you're there in 90 miles. No, no, no. They walked by foot, possibly on donkey, through desert terrain, come on, through the nights, through the long nights, pregnant woman going to register while she's pregnant. How inconvenient. (laughs) 90 miles. 
And so they get there, and we know the story about how uh, there was no room for them at the end, which is totally different than a lot of the, the narratives that we have painted for us. But there was no room for them at, the, at a, like a hotel. And so they end up having to be put up. It was actually a hospitable act by the innkeeper. They were put up in a place where they could, they could have some kind of privacy. They could have some kind of taken care of. And here is Jesus, the Lamb of God, born in a manger, a place where animals were born, a place where lambs were born. So here's Jesus born. And where I want to talk about today in verse 8 of Luke chapter 2 is a story about the shepherds. Everybody say shepherds. And it says this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. Now Bethlehem was kind of a hub for shepherds. We'll talk about that a little bit. And it says that they were keeping watch over their flocks at night. This is one of the roles of shepherds. That they, they would have their, their sheep out, and at night they stayed awake. And the reason is because that was the time that predators would come in. That's the time that thieves would come in and try to steal sheep. And so they were out there looking after their sheep. If there was a, a lamb that was to be born, it could happen in the middle of the night. So shepherds would have to stay on night watch. And here they were on night watch watching over their flocks. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. Everybody say one angel. So this is a messenger angel, and this is what he says. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. So the angel shows up. We talked about this last week. People see angels. They freak out. They're like, I'm about to die, right? It's the angel of death is what they're thinking. So here's the angel. The angel shows up. They're, they're freaking out. And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. The same thing they told Mary, right? Do not be afraid. I'll bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. <laughs> so I love it. They're like, we've got great news. And it's for all the people. It's not just for you. I'm telling you first, but it's for all the people. Today, in the town of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior will be born to you. Remember Isaiah, born to you. He is Christ the Lord. He is Christ. He is the Messiah. He's here. He's being born tonight. I mean, can you imagine? You're a shepherd. You're on night watch. I worked night watch for a little while. Yeah. We don't, we don't like to talk about it, but I did it for a little while. And so I remember night watch, and, and it's weird. I mean, you're in a different zone. Anybody ever work night watch? You're, you're just in a different, it's a different zone. Like you're in a different frame of mind. So here they are, alone at night, creepy nighttime, right, making sure no wolves are breaking in, and this angel shows up and says, Guess what? Tonight's the night. Tonight is the night that you've been waiting on for thousands of years. The Messiah is being born. A couple of, a couple of humble shepherds out in the middle of the desert at night. Today, the Savior will be born to you. And then suddenly, I love this. So he, he says, this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. And then it says, suddenly. Everybody say, Suddenly. So one angel, all of a sudden, is heaven peels back, and look what we see. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, and peace to men on whom his favor rests. So he's like, God has favor on the people. And so all of a sudden, this angel's out here. They're freaking out, and they think, well, you think this is going to freak you out? Watch this. And the heavens peel back, and there's a heavenly host of angels. Now, a heavenly host isn't like the three angels that you saw in the children's program. This is like 
could have been millions of angels, at least thousands of angels. So the heaven peels back, and there's this heavenly, and they're not like, you know, pretty angel men and women that, you know, have some blush on their face and they're blonde-haired. That's not what they look like. It's the heavenly host. They're actually warring angels. They're warrior angels. They've got like probably some kind of like supernatural armor on. They probably got swords and they're like declaring something. Now normally when angels show up like that, warring angels show up, they, they show up to declare war. And here are these angels showing up, millions of them, to declare peace. They're saying, God has favor on you. I'm not here to bring war. We're here to bring peace. There will be a war. But this man that is being born, this one, he will win the war. And we're here to tell of that. And so this is what they're saying. They're saying, peace to men on whom his favor rests. Love it. Love this scene. This is probably my my favorite scene in the whole narrative because he's just got millions of angels everywhere in this desert sky. I mean, can you imagine you're just, you're just, you know, you're making like minimum wage. Your job is insignificant to most people. You're just doing work and God shows up and chooses to reveal it to you in your obscurity. When the angel left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go! Let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. I love the urgency. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was laying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word. Underline that. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about the child. The first evangelist. The very first evangelist in Scripture are a couple of uneducated shepherds. And all who heard it, heard what? Heard what these shepherds were telling them, were amazed at what they said to them. But Mary treasured these things and pondered upon them in her heart. In verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that he had, they had heard and seen. That they had heard and seen. Very important, the things that they had heard and seen, which, they had, which were just as they had been told. Shepherds. Why shepherds? Why does God choose to use Shepherds. Well, I'll say this. God chooses to use shepherds because all throughout the scripture, he always used shepherds. Because see, shepherds tend to lambs. Now, many of the lambs that they would, that they would be shepherding over and taking care of and having born into the world would actually become the sacrificial lambs that the priest would use. So why would God use shepherds? Because shepherds tend to lambs. When a lamb was born, a shepherd would be present to help with the process. How many know that Jesus, who was born in that place where animals were born, is the Lamb of God? I love John the Baptist, how he says, behold, when he sees Jesus. When Jesus shows up, he goes, behold, here he is, 
the Lamb of God, the final sacrifice, the one who takes away the sins of the world. He's here. He, he will be the one. He'll be the last sacrifice that ha- ever has to be made for the sins of humanity. God looked at humanity and had favor on them, and he said, I'm sending a lamb. I'm sending a lamb. Why shepherds? Because shepherds tend to lambs. The second thing, or the second reason that God would use shepherds is because it was a prophetic declaration that Jesus is the shepherd. The shepherd. Everybody say, the shepherd. You've got shepherds, and then you've got chief shepherds. The scripture actually refers to Jesus as the chief shepherd. Jesus refers to himself as the great shepherd, right? John 10, verse 11. I am the good shepherd. I am the great shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his Sheep, Jesus, the sacrificial lamb. Jesus, also the good shepherd. The good shepherd becomes the lamb. The good shepherd lays down his life for the other sheep. And this, is, this was the role. This was the, the risky business of being a shepherd. It wasn't a, a safe work zone, right? It wasn't safe for work to be a shepherd. Right, yeah, something trying to throw these cultural references in here. They fail most of the time. I'm texting Nathan this week. I'm like, what does this mean? This is my my Google. Shepherds tend to lambs. It's a prophetic declaration that he is a shepherd. And a couple things about shepherds. First of all, shepherds care. Shepherds care. Shepherds care for their sheep. We, we know this, Psalm 23, right? We know the Lord is my shepherd. And then David, the psalmist who was a shepherd, goes on and talks on and on and on about how the Lord looks over those that belong to him. And the second thing about shepherds is shepherds lead. And we talk about the governance of God. What we're talking about is his leadership, Right? That's what we're talking about. We're talking about how God leads. When we talk about that Jesus was born to reign, we're saying he was born to lead. He was born to lead people, not just care for people. We, we talk a lot about how Jesus cares and Jesus, Jesus is, is, wants to tend to your issues, and he does. He's a good shepherd, but he doesn't just want to tend to your issues. He wants to lead your life, and caring, beloved, is not leading. Just because you care don't mean that you've led. Just because someone has cared for you doesn't mean that they've led you. I've known, I've known lots of parents who cared deeply for their children, but they didn't lead their children. Don't ever mistake caring for leading. The, the best demonstration of caring is leading. Right? The greatest demonstration of caring is leading. See, shepherding is not just looking after, but leading forward. And this is what what the psalmist says. He says, he leads me beside quiet water. He leads me to fields. He leads you. So the Lord, many times we're asking the Lord to tend to us, and he's saying, won't you just follow my lead? I want to lead you to places. I want to lead you to life. I don't want to just give to you life. I do that. I give to you life. I, I, I protect you and I provide for you, but I am also leading you. I'm taking you somewhere. So he's just not looking after you. Good, good job. Yeah. Let, oh, you scraped your knee. Let me fix that. Does he do that? Yes, but he's not just doing that. He is taking you somewhere. And taking you somewhere is uncomfortable. But it is the governance of God. Management is not leading. 
Some people think that. Some people think, I'm a manager at work. That means I'm a leader. Not necessarily. If you're just checking boxes, you're not leading. Right? Leading means that you are taking it from here to there, somewhere else. Now, we've all had bad leaders that are taking us somewhere we shouldn't go. Right? And most of us would not, I would venture to say all of us would not be in the room today if someone didn't lead us well. Amen? So this is what the the shepherds say. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see the thing that has happened which the Lord told us about. So they hurried off. Why? Why Bethlehem? What is is the deal with Bethlehem? Well, well, we know this, that Bethlehem is just a small town, insignificant, obscure. How many know that hope is often born in places of obscurity? And so here's this little town, this insignificant town of of maybe, at most, 1,500 people. Most uh, archaeologists and theologians would say that Bethlehem is somewhere between 1,200 and 1,500 people. Small town. Like those little towns that you drive between here and... California that you pass through, here in Texas, those little towns that only have a Dairy Queen, right? <laughs> yeah, on the country roads, back roads, right? Dollar General and Dairy Queen, that's all they got. But hope is often born in places like that. But see, the cool thing about Bethlehem is Bethlehem has a history with shepherds, right? I mean, they are, are at the fields nearby. So Bethlehem... I, th- I believe is probably a place where shepherds kind of come to do business. It's where they hang out. They have inns there. They have some hotels there. They might have a couple little restaurants. They might have some places where they can get some shepherding supplies. It's just kind of this little hub outside, 10 miles outside of Jerusalem, which is, you know, takes a while to get there on foot. But it's just a little obscure town where a lot of shepherds hang out. In fact, a very significant shepherd is from this town. A shepherd that we know is David. Right? You guys remember David? So Bethlehem, also Jerusalem, because that's where David ruled as king. But David got his start, (laughs) just like Jesus. He got his start at the bottom in Bethlehem. So here's David, born in Bethlehem. Here's Jesus, who's going to be born in in the line of David, his father, his earthly father. Right? Not his baby daddy, but his... But his earthly father, right? No? Gosh, I need to stop. Yeah, archaeologist. David is born in Bethlehem. So Bethlehem is known as the city of David. I mean, that's what it's famous for. It's like you drive into the small town, they have the billboard that says, David was born here. And the angels show up and they say, hey, we're going to do better than David. We're going to do better than David. See, David is the picture of a shepherd king. This is David. David was a shepherd who became a king. Jesus is a king who becomes a shepherd. And it reveals the leadership style of Jesus. It reveals the leadership style of Jesus. Not that he's just the lamb, but he is also a shepherd. It reveals his Leadership style, that his, his shepherd's staff is actually his scepter. The way he rules, the way he reigns is like a shepherd, 
David got this. He understood it. But if you look throughout Scripture, we see many of the great leaders throughout the Scripture were what? Shepherds. We see Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all shepherds. David, shepherd. Moses, shepherd. Jesus, the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. So we have this history of leadership. What is it? It's kingdom leadership. It's kingdom dominion. It's kingdom reigning. This is what it looks like to rule and reign on the earth. It looks like shepherding. It looks like shepherding. See, you can drive cattle, but you have to lead sheep. Sheep are prone to fear, right? They're skittish. They need leadership. And Jesus saw the people. We talked about this last week. Jesus saw the people helpless and harassed like sheep without shepherds. It's part of the reason why he came, to seek and save that which is lost. We see it all throughout, all throughout the New Testament, Jesus referring to this thing called shepherding, this thing these people that he referred to as sheep, and he didn't mean that as, a, as, a, as an insult because sheep are easily led. So he reigns like a shepherd. He's protective and provisional. He cares. He tends. He leads with tenderness, love, and grace. I love it. He's not, he's not uh, dominating. You know, he's not just out there with this iron scepter, and a sword in one hand and an iron separate saying, sheep, let me off of your head. No, 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 he cares. He, just, he does it with grace, with tenderness. This is the way he leads. Bethlehem, the home of the shepherd king. The, the name Bethlehem actually means the house of bread. The house of bread. It is an interesting that the bread of life that came down from heaven was born in the house of bread. Isn't it interesting? Jesus, it talks about that, that Jesus was the bread of heaven. How many know that Jesus was the manna in the desert? Here he is being born, the bread of life. The house of bread would yield the bread of life. So they go, they, they run, they take off these shepherds. They're like, man, this is, this is crazy. Look at, look at all this that is happening. And it says this, that they saw him. They saw him. They saw him. Can you imagine? Lowly, minimum wage, right? You're like the, the trash guy, right? You're like the guy that works on the trash truck. Necessary. It's absolutely necessary for a culture to have these people. But nobody thinks about them. They come in the morning or when you're at work. The only way you know they were there is because your trash isn't there. And this is a shepherd's. And here they get this pronouncement, this visitation, and then they see him. They're like the first on the scene. They see him. They see him. They encounter him. They encounter the king. They encounter the great shepherd. And then it says this, they spread the word. I got to tell somebody. <laughs> Look at this. We, we got to tell somebody. About this. And it says that they went and they shared it. And when they shared it, it says the people were amazed by what they heard and by what they saw. Beloved, how are you, in, how are you shepherding the encounters that you have with the Lord? I know we come to church. I know we see him. I know we encounter him. I know we, we come from our workplaces. We come from our duty. We're like, Jesus is here. We're going to go. We're going we're gonna to experience the Lord. We're going to encounter the Lord together. Let's do it. Awesome. But how are you shepherding that encounter? What next? Did you just see him and then go back to the fields? 
Did you just see him and talk to the other the shepherds? Wasn't that awesome? What happened? Or did you go and spread the news? Did you go and tell others about it? Did you shepherd well your encounter? See, they, they went from shepherding sheep to shepherding an encounter. They have an encounter with Jesus. How are you shepherding your encounters? What are you doing with what God does and who God reveals himself to your life? What are you doing with that? Are you just developing a lot of information and a lot of history with God in your mind? Or are you telling somebody? Are you spreading the news? They had an encounter, so they had to tell others. I don't know, I don't know what their personality was, but they had to tell somebody. 2 Corinthians, let's revisit this from last week. Verse 5, verse 7, uh, chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Come on, he's Lord over the past. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. We talked about last week, reconciliation means that you were broke up and you got back together. Right? That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting, love it, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message, the message of people coming back to God. Then it says this in verse 20, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Now that's a royal term, we're going to get into that a little bit more next week. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. We'll get into the royalty part tomorrow, but I do want to start on it today. As though, go, uh, tomorrow, next week, or tomorrow, whatever, if we get coffee or something. I'll start on it tomorrow. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you. Notice, notice the language. Christ ambassadors, as God, we are making his appeal through us. He's using you. He's using somebody. Listen, beloved, the only way the message gets out is if God has somebody to deliver it. He even used angels. Now he's using shepherds. He wants to use you. He's making his appeal through us, and we implore you on Christ's behalf. There it is again. Ambassador, on his behalf, be reconciled to God. The message of Christmas is this. Be reconciled to God. Come to God. Jesus paid the price so you can get back together. Ambassadors. Beloved, we are shepherds of this gospel that we have encountered. How are you shepherding the gospel that you've encountered? I'm a Christian. How are you shepherding the gospel that you encountered? The only way that you're a Christian is if that you've encountered the gospel. Not because you were born in America. Not because you were raised in church. It's because you encountered the good news. That God so loved the world. Not that he just loved us, but that he sent his only son for us to claim us. To, so that we could become the children of God. That is the gospel. You've encountered that. I, I, I believe that most of you have encountered the gospel. But are you shepherding the gospel that you've encountered? Or are you just sitting on it? Are you just managing it? Are you just allowing it to touch your life and to give you goosebumps every once in a while? I love it. I love all of that. But that's not shepherding it well because that's just management. I know you care about it. But are you leading it elsewhere? Or is it staying in your life? Hmm. Ambassadors. Ambassadors. An ambassador is a representative that's what an ambassador is, right? 
hey, would you go, a king, an ambassador is a, is, is a leader, says, I want you to go represent me, these other dignitaries, I want you to go on my behalf. You will speak for me. You will sign for me. You represent me. Beloved, you are the only Jesus the world ever sees. You're the only Jesus. You're the only Jesus that the world sees. So when you call yourself a Christian, guess what? That's what Jesus looks like to the world. We represent, we represent. Represent. We regift Jesus. Jesus is the gift that we regift. Right? It's okay to regift, I think. I heard someone say one time that it's, that's like some like shady business to regift. I'm like, <laughs> I regift Jesus all the time, so there, I just made it okay. All right. I don't know where they got that. Where they get that idea? <laughs> so, wrong. Yeah. It's like forty irons for my wedding. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with them? I don't have the receipt. All right. We pre- we represent Jesus. We regift Jesus. Shepherds. This is the thing about shepherds. Shepherds are rarely the owner of the sheep. It's an occupation. It's a job. But a good shepherd, a good shepherd treats the sheep like their own. And that's what makes a good shepherd. There's these other guys that go and they work for people that own sheep, and they're called hirelings. And in John 10, when Jesus is talking about thieves, that's what he's, in robbers, and he, he says, all these people that come before me were hirelings. He talks about hirelings in that. Basically, people that are just doing it for the money. So good shepherds aren't hirelings. They're shepherds. They treat the sheep like their own. Jesus is like, I'm not a hiring. Everybody that's come before me, they were thieves and robbers. All these other prophets, all these other people that were claiming they were Christ, they were just coming to rob. But here I am to bring life and life more abundantly. Right? So a good shepherd is one who would treat the sheep as though they were his own. They were so, these sheep are so critical to the culture. So what does an ambassador do? Well, first of all, if we're ambassadors, we live a certain way. We live a certain way. Did you know that your life should look drastically different than the people that you work with that don't know Jesus? Your post on Facebook should look totally different than people that don't love Jesus, that aren't in relationship with Jesus. Your life should look different. And you shouldn't be bothered by that. You should embrace that. What drew people to Jesus is that Jesus was different. He was different than all those that came before him. He was different than all the other rabbis and the teachers. and the, They embraced Jesus because there was something on his life, the grace of God. There is something on your life. It's called the grace of God. Are you stewarding it well? Has it made you different? We live a certain way. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11. My divinely loved friends. I love the Passion Translation here. My divinely loved friends. Beloved, since you are residents, resident alien and foreigners of this world, I appeal to you to divorce yourself. Oh, gosh. It's intense language. Love it. To divorce yourself from the evil desires that wage war within you. Have you divorced your sinful nature? Or are you having an affair with your sinful nature? 
Are you justifying your sinful? Well, that's the way I am. I'm like, oh, nobody's perfect. You're, you're kissing an adulteress. Divorce your past, beloved. You don't belong to them anymore. You belong to Jesus. He's the governor of your life. Not you. Not your tendencies, not your weaknesses, not your struggle, not the things that you want to justify. He is. You said he was king. Divorce yourself from the evil desires that wage war in you. Live honorable lives. Live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers. Are you honorable? I'm not talking about them if they're honorable. They're probably not. And you're probably not that honorable either. But are you living an honorable life? Are you aiming to bring honor to Jesus? Live honorable lives as you mix with unbelievers. Even though they accuse you of being evildoers. They may even say that you're doing evil and you're not. They may accuse you. But you're not doing it. Do the accusations hold true? This is what it says. Though they accuse you of being evildoers, they will see your beautiful works. They will see your life and have reason to glorify God on the day he visits us. They'll have a reason to glorify God. Does your life bring glory to God? Are you living in such a way that when people see your life, they go, man, glory to God. Bless the Lord. Look look how good God is. Is God's goodness revealed in your life? Beloved, it's time. It's just time that you have a life that honors the Lord. We live in a certain way. So I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying, this is the invitation. The pressure's on, but it's also off. Like, it's on him. I mean, he's governing. I, I make messes of my life. I make foolish decisions Whenever I do things my way, the Josh Brown way, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many, how many messes I've made when I've given in to my, my carnal nature. Let, let me suggest this to you today. You are always preaching. You don't have to have a microphone. You don't have to have a stage. You don't have to have a position in a church. You don't have to be a leader in a church. You don't have to be a volunteer. You are preaching. You don't have to be a believer. You're preaching something. What is your life preaching? What does the stage of your life exude? And not, and, not just, and not just with the people that you like and agree with. How do you treat people that you don't like? How did Jesus treat people that were his enemies? It says that he had favor on them. What? I thought we got favor by behaving. No, we get favor through grace. And this is what he saw, favor on whom, on whom his favor rests, on all men. See, the life that you live is a platform for Jesus. How are you living? What does your life speak of? Are you reigning like Jesus? I don't want to reign like Josh Brown. I want to reign like Jesus. I want to reign like him. I want to be like him. And secondly, is we carry a certain message. So we live a certain way. We carry a certain message. There's this old idea that says uh, there's 
some confusion. I don't know who said it first, but basically, preach the gospel at all times if necessary, use words, right? Let's make a bumper sticker out of it. Let's build a theology. But that's not what the scriptures say. Scriptures actually teach us that using words is necessary because you can be a really good atheist. I know some atheists that are better humans than some people that claim to be Christians. So do y'all. Their message, how is it going? Well, they're a really good person. No, no, no. We, listen, the power is not in my lifestyle. There is a power to it. The, the real power is the message that causes me to live this way. The power is in the message. It's not in me. It's not in my good deeds. It's in the grace of God. And that only comes out in the message. Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We love that. Yes. But how can they call on him unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? How are your neighbors going to hear? Man, they need the Lord. Have you shared the Lord with them? Have you shared the gospel with them? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? So apparently just a good lifestyle isn't preaching loud enough. you got to use words. Now, if you don't have the lifestyle, your words are useless. We all know that. And that's the reason why people say that, right? Well, you better, you better uh, walk, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk, right? We get that. We understand. But part of walking the walk is talking the talk. Words are necessary. There was a, a song from an awesome band that I loved way back when I first got saved, and they had a song that said, seen and not heard. That was the song. We need to be seen and not heard. Beloved, yes. But you're seen. We live in the age where everything you do is seen. Now you need to be heard. And it not, doesn't need, your message doesn't need to be heard. The gospel needs to be heard. Are you sharing the gospel? Not just in your lifestyle. Yes, it's got to be there first. But is it in your words? It, listen, it is the word of God that transforms lives. It's not your good life. So the idea is just be nice. Let me suggest this. Be nice enough this Christmas to share the gospel with somebody. Will you be that nice? Or you just be kind enough to be passive, or will you share the gospel? I'm not talking about a mean-spirited gospel. I'm talking the gospel that starts off with God so loved. That God had favor. Be nice, but be nice enough to share the reason that Jesus came for Christmas. Share your story. Share your encounter. What has God done in your life? Do you have a story? What has God done in your life? Well, I don't really know the Bible, Pastor. I, I've just been a Christian for three weeks. What did God do in your life? Oh, man. My life was a wreck before. There it is. There's the gospel. It's all over your life. These shepherds, they didn't go to Bible school. They weren't rabbis. They just saw Jesus. They saw him. And they told everybody about what they experienced. What have you experienced? Share that. You can, man, we can work on the theology later. Let's just get you moving, hustling. And that's what they did. They, they were working, man. It says quickly they went out. Quickly they went out. So how do we shepherd the encounters we have? Well, number one, you have one. <laughs> you have an encounter. Number two, you live it out. We'll, we'll dig into that a little bit more next week. And number three, we spread the word. We spread the word. You've got to have the encounter. You've got to have the starting place. You've got to have the lifestyle. But you've got to bring the word. 
You've got to bring the gospel. You've got to share your story. What has God done in your life?